Hey there, my name is Mark McCartney and welcome to the What is a Good Life podcast. For those of you that followed the newsletter last year for which I interviewed 120 people around this question, the objective remains very much the same. I'm trying to provide you with tools and content that help you find and define your own answer to this question, while I'm also trying to reveal what I perceive to be more genuine expressions of the human experience. On the eighth episode of the What is a Good Life podcast, I'm joined by Daria Hrobach, who's an artist, a scientist with a PhD in plant physiology and an entrepreneur. In this episode, Daria takes us through her journey of cultivating more inner peace via methods such as ice baths, meditations, and the grounding force of nature, to establishing boundaries and values, releasing her creativity, stepping away from academia, setting up her own company called DC SciArt, and ultimately residing in her purpose. And if you enjoy this conversation, please like, share, and subscribe, as I greatly appreciate any support at this stage of my podcasting journey. So without further ado, the eighth episode of the What is a Good Life podcast. So Daria, thank you very much for joining me today. I'm, I'm very grateful to have you here. Um, the first question I have for you today is, what is it about plants that first attracted you to pursue uh, plant physiology? Um, yeah, first of all, thanks a lot, Mark, for inviting me. It's, it's a pleasure. Um, I'm very happy. So what is Thank it you. that um, attracted me to plant physiology? Um, I really always was a little bit of a nature person, always liked to be out in the forest, in the woods. And so I always was drawn to plants somehow. And then when I, when I studied it, and green is my favorite color, <laughs> so I don't know <laughs> if it correlates. But then when I studied uh, biology, um, somehow... I always was drawn more to the plant science, botany, plant physiology. And when I thought about it, why? Because actually metabolism is quite similar, right? The human science, in the human sciences and the plant sciences. Um, I thought about this question and I, my theory is that I'm a person that also, how do you say, likes the underdog, but also dislikes how much I don't like generalizations, but how much humanity thinks, you know, humans are the most important and the best. And that's the only thing we should, you know, basically care about. So very human centered. And the fact that, oh, you know, we have to cure all the cancers and all the diseases and everything. And that's the most and only important thing. Um, while they sometimes it feels like people don't really care about plants. Now, these days, it's a little bit different. I studied a while ago. Um and I was always thinking, okay, you know what? Well, it doesn't matter if we cure all the diseases. If we don't have plants that produce oxygen to be able to breathe, we can be as healthy as we want. So we better also take care and look at this and how we can, you know, how we can find out what plants are doing. So I would, it would come a little bit from this perspective, you know, I don't want to be only focused on humans all the time because everybody's focused on humans and I don't want that. And plants are cooler like that somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so a mix of a lot of things but and then it yeah it was always I just liked it more it was more drawn to it and I think there's maybe not really any logical explanation just like a feeling or an intuitive like hmm, drawn being drawn to it what do you get from um your relationship with plants like that's uh that's kind of so different to your experience let's say even with humans and Mm. Whoa, that's a very interesting question. And I also do like humans a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> Okay, good to know. Like, it's not that I don't like humans, but um 
in a way, plants to me, they give me a, a bit of calm and peacefulness, a bit of freedom when I'm around them. But overall, I think it's just this presence. They are there. Uh, there's nothing they demand. There's nothing I demand. It's when I'm in the forest, specifically because I'm surrounded by forest here where I live, it just gives me this yeah, calm and peaceful freedom. And it's grounding very much because uh, I don't have roots. I can't physically ground myself, but it feels like almost plants that ground themselves it kind of um, you know transfers to me so i feel very yeah. calm and very centered in that way do you know i've uh, i think i'm quite strange when i do this but but sometimes i rest my hand on a tree um and uh try to communicate with it am i alone with such a such an act <laughs> no i don't think so because for me i like to touch everything as well so i go around and i would if a branch comes i would touch it or a leaf or something i would pick things up but it's the same for animals i always want to touch and feel things so plants are the same i don't think it's weird that there's this you know well there's maybe a little bit of a hippie view of hugging trees you know but it's yeah mm, I mean, to me, it makes sense. They're creatures as well. And and there is something that there's some kind of bond or connection to them. So, no, and I understand this, that. Uh, this sense of kind of uh, being in the forest and and uh, experiencing this kind of calm and peace and this grounding, grounding experience, is that something that's very important for you as you, as you move through life? Yes, because I... I can be at times all over the place with a lot of energy. I can be like really like super highly excited or I can be, you know, my brain is like functioning all the time and thinking and firing. Um, so it's a very good contrast um, that that I get from this. It, it used to be like this when I did my PhD, worked the whole day with people around in the lab and in the institute. I would come home, you can know music, not even instrumental music, nobody to talk to just take my dog go out in the forest to be able to like just release everything and just balance back into some kind of mm, not neutral but natural state for me because I could absorb a lot of things from the outside I can absorb a lot of things from the outside and then I also absorb the calm and quietness from the forest and the nature somehow so it is super important for me. Yeah, I think it's I think it's something kind of lacking in my life at the moment. I'm not making enough deliberate effort to to get out there. Um, get a when dog. You describe this. <laughs> no, I, I I have a dog. I just looked over at her there on the couch. Uh, <laughs> but even but even like going to just parks and things like that, mm -hmm. I think there's almost like different stages of engaging with nature. Yeah. Um, a park and an animal can be one thing, but yes. a forest and then even a wilderness is yes. a. They're all like different stages yes. of like almost disconnecting from the the craziness of our society and kind of kind of stabilizing or as you say kind of coming back to a more natural mm -hmm. state it's actually it's good that you mentioned this because when i talk about forest and nature as i live far up in the north of sweden it's a a lot of like raw nature and forest deep forest where not many people are so it's it's very wild and that's usually the forest i refer to because if i go and visit my family, for example, in the city and I go into a park. No, forget about it. I will not have the same feeling of grounding because there would be people around. It would it would not be the same. So uh, 
that's that's very true what you just said yeah and this this connection though let's say with uh with plants and then even when you're talking about the forest here and nature is this uh is this quite a big pillar then kind of of your of of what contributes to what is like what a good life is for you like is this a, a kind of a, a seminal like block in terms of in terms of your life yes i need to have it <laughs> otherwise <laughs> i walk around like where are the trees <laughs> i need i need nature where's the green i immediately notice when it's not there um so if i don't have it in my surrounding um yeah something is missing it's um, yeah, I will. I will crave for it. It's it's very um, like in the summer, for example. I sleep on my balcony because I want to be in the fresh air and surrounded by the trees that are outside of my apartment complex. And I have a lot of plants on my balcony, and I I want to have this connection. So it's warm enough. So I just sleep on the balcony all the time. That I don't even want to be inside. So it's I try to use as much as possible. Uh, be in this in this place connected with nature and plants as much as possible and what uh, just when you know when you mentioned there like when you're without that like let's say if you go to visit your friends or family or whoever it may be like is there a difference that you notice in your in your kind of reaction to the day i notice most of all this um, looking for it um with my eyes or trying to do or go somewhere where I know there is nature to go for a walk or go to the lake so that I can get at least some of it because I know I can't get the same that when I'm here where I live. And I think by now I got better handling it. So I, I'm not crashing, you know, I'm not completely getting out of balance. But the reason for this is because I have been working on these types of things in the last years so that I do not get out of bounds when I don't have the things that are really important for me um so it's 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 handleable handle handleable <laughs> yeah, yeah. Handle it, let's say so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um when you when you when you mentioned there just the the kind of other things that you've been uh, use it or tools or, or methods you've been using in your life uh, to make these things more um, uh, manageable or or um, so you can handle it when you're out of your environment what, what have you been discovering mm, I discovered a lot of things <laughs> so it's a huge journey basically because it was around two and a half three years ago where I got exposed where I met somebody that um, that person manages managed for me to be completely out of my head my head was empty and I have never experienced that before being a scientist always thinking logic and constantly applying the brain and the mind and and I used to be an overthinker and sometimes it still comes out and then I decided okay I want to be able to do it by myself and another friends introduced me to ice basing and here in the north of Sweden is perfect so I started with this and the first time I did it it was a very huge experience for me because I got this physical body shock basically and um, I'm relatively um, how do you say pain resistant I'm not you know whiny I can deal with a lot of things so for me I need a lot to be pushed into something that something kind of you know clicks and I go for it and this ice spacing made it work um, so that I was out of my mind just by my doing it by myself so I wasn't depending on anybody else and then, then, this then led to me finally being able to meditate, which I have tried 
for years and years and years to just be calm. Uh, I always thought I should be calm and sitting in a certain way, but I like to move. I like to be active. And then another friend again, you know, it was like a chain of things, introduced me to mantra meditation with specific teachers, with specific mantras coming from a specific source. And I'm doing this since two years. And these things, like along the way, I, I was so proud that I finally managed to do and find a way for me to do some type of, not controlling my mind, but somehow being able to get out of it when I want to and not constantly sit in the scientific thinking of and and buzzing in my head, basically. Um, and these things then hap- help because that all grounds me as well. That brings me to my natural state of whatever it is that I have as a natural state. And then these things help um to when I then don't have nature, when I go for a week or something in the city visiting my parents, it balances me out. And the practice of doing these things helps me to contain in this, um, yeah, center. What would you, if you had, if you come up with one word to describe that state of when you feel like you're in your natural state, what, what word would come to mind? I usually would describe it like fluffy and flowy. Like it's like bodiless, basically. It's like not nothing really matters. Nothing, not in a way like I'm indifferent towards things and I don't care. But it's I feel very light, and I still perceive my body and everything. But it's light and fluffy somehow. Like maybe like clouds or something, or cotton candy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just in terms then of uh, you know when you mentioned this uh, scientific mind. Mm. How would you describe the state uh, you're in in a uh, in a scientific mind? I know you were mentioning kind of buzzing earlier. Yeah, buzzing, and it's mm, it's like like you know this internal of a clock, these um, cogs. It's constantly like this. They are constantly moving, 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 and doing things and thinking. It's like this. It, it's a it, it's it's a it's a bit noisy, and I can get into these states, and I like them, but not all the time. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, and it's not. Um, it feels more draining. Like my body uses a lot of energy to 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 maintain it, to keep focus, and yeah, to kind of stay at what I want to do. And that's very different to compared to fluffiness and lightness. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what uh, what first attracted you to doing these ice baths? The fact that. Just in that moment that my friend said, like, oh, if you want to get out of your head, try this. That was the first, okay, I have to try. Because they, you know, told me that was their experience. So I thought, like, I I, I need to try. I like um, snow and cold weather. And I'm at the perfect spot, basically. Um, I, I immediately signed up, you know, for a workshop doing this. I started reading about it and learning about it. And I was like, oh my God, it's just like, basically, it's only good for me. So I can't mess anything <laughs> up. So how can I not try it? And then this kind of scientific mind also jumped into it. Like, oh, you know, then I can, uh, like all the biological, physiological, metabolic, all the benefits of it, also the psychological benefits so I, I was immediately hooked and then mm, i do it regularly and if i don't have access to it then i jump into the snow because i have snow here for, so it's uh, it was basically like everything falls into place and i like water as well um so it was all kind of okay that's that's a good fit for me it, it felt like i need to try 
and and then yeah i got stuck with it and it's not always comfortable you know it's not it's not always nice to do but if i know then that, that it does me well and i experience not only know intellectually scientifically that it does me well but i experience it does me well then i would i stick to things <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's um i don't know i i love the sense though of it's not always comfortable yeah. and almost like I, I think there's a huge benefit to just having even if it's just a few moments in a day yes um like for me it's okay it's not a nice bath but even if it's a cold shower yes. on a december morning or a january morning in berlin yes it's not always the most pleasant thing to do but just inviting some degree of discomfort into our lives yes. on a daily basis i think is is really positive yes and uh, it's good that you mentioned this because when I don't do the ice bathing because I, you know, I don't have time, don't want to go, then I, I do every day these cold showers. I, I used to be really a sissy when it comes to cold um, cold water. I wouldn't go in and would take me forever and wouldn't be whiny. But now I know, like, I've done it so many times, so it's not a problem. And it's good afterwards. So <laughs> get over it, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you uh, when you met, I know I asked you about the the kind of what attracted you to plants first. Uh, were you attracted to science? I know you mentioned I know you mentioned did your undergraduate in biology. Was that was that all like did that stem from a particular curiosity or question that you were asking yourself when you were younger? Mm, I think it stemmed from mm, just always liking nature. Plants, animals, being out, going on hikes, picking mushrooms with Emily. My grandma had a little bit, you know, of a farm-like setting in Poland. So we would be there and when, you know, everything was harvested. So I was always connected to it somehow. And in high school, I always liked biology class and arts class, funnily. And then um, after high school, I basically thought, like, I need to decide between these two. So when I, back then I was thinking, like, oh, artist can't make a living from that and I don't even want to know draw digitally computers I hate technology so and I love biology uh, and then I basically went to it into it it was it was just I was usually doing things out of interest so if I'm drawn to some drawn if I was drawn to something and I was interested in it I would do it and I I wouldn't care so much that I would have you know my advanced classes in high school would be um, art and biology and it wouldn't be math and English you know that was the ones that or German um, language or anything that was like more supposed to be advanced classes. I took art because I liked it I didn't care that it's just art um, and the combination of it so I I would go along what I like. How did you then uh, once you'd finished your your PhD um was art always uh, a part of your life still? Like, were you always sketching and drawing or did you have to rediscover art in your life again? Basically, yes. The last thing, because I was, it was always part of me and I would always do it. Um, and then I would, it would drop on the side during studies. I would still, when I would study for exams, I draw, I would draw everything. And I liked the anatomy classes during the studies where I could draw. But um, I was never a person to just draw for practicing. That's not enough purpose for me. So then during my PhD, I kind of got back into it. I realized, oh, here, I can couple it because I can draw all the science stuff that I'm doing. And that's super important, actually, and it's needed. So then I, I connected it back in my PhD and started also not only scientific drawings, but other drawing projects with colleagues and friends. Um, and then I got into digital drawing, basically. 
and I realized, oh, it's not so bad. But it was always, <laughs> you know, it was this, what I liked and I still like is that there is a purpose behind my drawings. I convey knowledge and I show something that's complicated or complex and I try to make it more understandable. Um, so there is this purpose. And that only changed last year where I suddenly, like something opened up in me. Don't ask me what it was, but I felt this huge urge of just painting for the sake of painting and for myself, for nobody else, and just like playing around with colors. And I didn't have that in years. So it was a bit overwhelming for me that I finally allowed myself to just be creative and paint for the sake of doing that without any purpose, just for fun. <laughs> that's uh that's so interesting. So the your art stayed with you as you went through, but only when it was kind of supplementing your the your purpose of your kind of scientific studies and your progress. And I and I know when we talked last, like that could be, you know, for helping people or some of your science work could be for helping people get mm -hmm. grants or it could be for illustration purposes mm -hmm. and publications yeah. and so forth. But there was a there was an outcome or there was yes. a, a real me there was a point of doing it and it was quite like almost logical yes like you know there was clear steps as to why you're doing it yes what happened how, how would you kind of describe then this process of all of a sudden painting for the sake of painting like when when would you say you even noticed um movements happening shall we say it was very uh, it was very rapid somehow i usually I, i'm very I like to change and develop and I'm very much into self-development and I do different types of mentorings and coaching. So I've done this always on the side. And, um, and, and there was, it was one day that I just viewed this. It was after meditation class. It suddenly came up. I need to paint now. I went to the art store and bought paints, even though I have the paints and I had this huge feeling inside of me. You need to get this now out, Daria. And it doesn't matter what it is and how it is. Um, it just suddenly came came up like like a wave almost, and I I was wondering why it was. I I can maybe pinpoint some things that I found out, but I I don't know for sure. But it felt very um, relieving somehow. It felt like okay, well, there's actually nothing wrong with that. While I was doing it, I had a lot of fun. I kind of. You know, I lost myself again. I got into a space where I didn't, wasn't thinking again, which I usually do when I illustrate. Even if it's funny illustrations, you know, that look comic-like, it's always thinking involved. And in these moments, there was no thinking involved. I was just like throwing paints and like getting dirty. And I was just trying out um, and it felt really nice. And I re didn't feel bad about it, you know. I didn't feel like, why am I doing it? It's a waste of time. It doesn't serve anyone. There was one situation, though, where a friend of mine shared an illustration with her colleague and she loved it so much. She printed it out, put it in her office. And my friend said she loves it so much. She says every time she looks at it, it makes her smile. This lit up something inside of me. I was like, oh, my God, I don't even know her. She doesn't even know her. And she looks at my illustration and makes her smile. So it makes like there's something in her day that gets changed by looking at my scientific illustration. So I thought like. There is a purpose, even though I didn't mean to have this purpose, but even with a scientific illustration, somebody can be made happy. And that's purpose enough if I need a purpose. But I didn't think about this at that time because the only purpose I had was to just have fun and enjoy and not think uh, in a way. 
So you know, a lot of things. I don't know if this, that's uh, you know. There's there's like a there's like a theme coming up of uh, almost like the significance of moments of not thinking. Yeah. You, you know, whether it's in the ice bath or yes. whether it's this uh, this moment with art. Uh, whether it's even like meditation or or mantras or something yes. like it's and then almost like uh in terms then of your your history with nature and going into the nature almost to not think again like yes. the the like almost there's nothing and when you're in the forest nothing is being demanded of yes. you and you're not demanding anything of the forest yeah like it's almost like you're you're trying to cultivate <laughs> these places where there's like moments of stillness in your yes. life yes that's that's very true that's very true, because if I, yeah, I don't know, lives are busy, right? We do all things all the time. And I had phases in my life where I overdid and I got, you know, physically sick from it because I wanted to do all the things at once. I didn't want to miss out on anything. <laughs> you know, like you're going to study and you're going to work on the weekend. Then you also party, you know, with your friends, like all these things. So it's, I, I learned from that somehow. And um, yeah. And if it feels nice. how did you how did you learn to transition from that? Like, is this a recent thing when you mentioned you came to meditation and ice, ice baths in the last couple of years, or did, like did you when you said there like the the level of just doing um it almost made you sick like physically sick? Like, how did you how was that experience for you? Mm, well, first I didn't want to recognize it. I didn't want to see it because I, you know, would be like, but I want to, I want to, and I can, and I just then just sleep and then continue. My mom would be the one saying like, okay, no, you have to stop this now. And then I, at some point started, okay, yeah, maybe it's not good because I feel drained. Um, and, but now thinking back, I always was a person that needed calm time and space for myself to, to, to get back some kind of energy, to not, while being drained, to, how do you say, to recharge. I always yeah. needed it. And I know throughout my life, if I wouldn't take the time to, when I socialize afterwards, not socialize for a while, then I would get sick. <laughs> so this was always there. And I tried to, you know, go along with it and try here and there. But I wasn't as conscious about it when I was younger. I kind of, you know, sometimes dismissed it and then, you know, this fear of missing out. I never consciously thought about that I was fearing to miss out. I had these moments that I just want to do, but I enjoy it. And then I had one friend that she was on the very other extreme spectrum where she constantly needed people around. And that was too much for me. So in these moments, I realized I can't. How can she handle people all the time? I would freak out. I would be just like constantly tired and drained. So it was going like... There was this thread throughout my life. But uh, yeah, it, it took me a while until I really recognized it and didn't blame myself for it and thought it's fine if I am like that. And I just go for it because I feel better with it. It's uh, I almost got a sense there of you like fighting your nature or something. Yes. Do, do you know in like uh, feeling drained when after a social engagement and then still trying to push on yes. because of this fear of missing out? Like it. And I think that's so prevalent in in people. You, you know, when there's almost this debate of whether are we introverted or extroverted. I'm both, and, and you know, I need a little bit of I need a bit of energy to be intro extroverted, and yes. I need to recharge and I'm and be introverted or something. Yes. It's more like a pendulum than than me being one or the other. Yes. And and I I think this I don't know we're we all talk so much about how our work is burning ourselves out, but I also think it's like our 
our relationships, our fear of missing out, our yes. technology. Yeah. You know? Oh, yes. All of these things. All, I don't know if, if I think about how I was when I was younger, I don't know how humans that are younger now these days handle all of these things when I wasn't really aware of stuff. And I still grew up without a computer and a phone. You know, I was climbing trees and like digging holes in the dirt, basically, when I was tiny. So I, 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 I don't know how these days little humans do that. <laughs> when you uh, when you think of the moment where you started painting uh, for the fun of it, and you'd mentioned that you started doing uh, meditation and ice baths before that as well, like do you kind of think of other things you were doing around that time that almost it feels like there was something like released in you? You know the way you you get up from meditation and then you go straight to the art shop, mm. like. Can you think of things that may have contributed to almost like a a freeing of you or a like a, a releasing of something in you? Some of these coaching and uh, mentoring sessions that I went through, um, a lot of you know talking with people about things as well, but also um, some friendships that broke in these times. Some people that I have been in contact for long that there were good friendships. They because things started shifting in me, I started to realize certain things and then these friendships would also break and that would release me from a certain type of social pressure that I would feel um, because I noticed, okay, there's something already going wrong in this friendship. I feel drained after coming home, which wasn't the case before. So I started to be very mindful about also, okay, who do I talk about what, when, how much, and and then it naturally things and relationships fell apart as well. And I think this also then contributed to me realizing um, mm, that I also need to be very mindful, not of, 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 you know, yeah, what I do in the sense of I do meditation or ice bathing, I'm painting for myself, but also whoever is in my closest circle. Um, and... Um, and basically also releasing this when it doesn't serve me anymore or the other person in that case as well. That was also big in the last years during all of these things. And that was nothing in the beginning was nothing conscious, but it just started happening. And at some point, I think last year I decided, okay, if that's what's happening, then maybe you should think about what you want from friendships, relationships, family, like work early. You need to think about Daria, what you want to not have this happening again because it is hurtful. It's painful as well. It's not so nice to suddenly lose a friendship that's seven, eight years long. Um, but sometimes it's it's necessary somehow. And what you, what you, was this a change that was occurring with you that the relationships, uh, some relationships no longer fitted? Like were you, were you both growing in different ways? Like uh, how would you kind of describe the, the shifts that were occurring? This would be like that could be a reason, um, and but for one friendship specifically, I think I finally realized that I do not. You know, it's very interesting because the friendship pattern that we had was basically simulating my family pattern and the role of me in my family back then, and it took me seven eight years until I realized 
oh my God, you're doing the same shit again, Daria. You're again the emotional trash can, for example, or you're again the psychologist. And you're again trying to, you know, be there for somebody. Um, and and it's it's draining you and it's not giving anything. So, so this was very much so that I think I changed and developed while this person stayed from the years we did, I mean, of course not. Nobody is stagnant. But in the main issues and the main things that connected us, there was no... And then when I changed, there was a clash suddenly happening. And when I would speak my truth, um, which I, you know, I don't mean to be offensive, for example, but it would be taken not so well because finally I would actually, you know, be honest. And I wasn't honest yeah, before yeah. in a way. So... It's very difficult to say in that case, and I. It's also said without any blame, um, but it's it could be both. Yeah, I, I think it's so interesting. Um, like I think in a lot of relationships, um, people kind of want consistency more than they want the truth. <laughs> and and you know when we have certain ways of, of being in in different relationships, it can be quite like. A, you know, in one of my past previous guests was a psychotherapist who was just talking about even someone um, going through therapy and then maybe establishing new boundaries with uh, with people in their yeah. lives, and just how much uh, how messy that can be yeah. as well. But I get I guess so much of the things you're talking about though are it it seems to be like as you move through life, it's more about establishing and stepping into your own yeah. truth and, and who you are and then expressing that. Like, yes. And that gives, uh, that gives freedom as well. That gives space and clearness of not only the mind, like I want to have my mind empty, but also like social or energetic space. It wouldn't, my energy wouldn't be drained by these interactions anymore. So I have space for other energies, other emptiness, or new friendships, for example. So it's it's in a way clearing. I don't know if you can call it social space. I don't know what's the best description of it. <laughs> but but I but I think this is a I think this is a lovely idea, and I think it's something that I don't think people realize often enough is that if you can, it's hard to let go of things even if they're not good for you anymore. Yeah. Right. You know, like we all have our own habits that I'm sure everyone who's listening, we all have some habits that we know aren't good for us and that we have that we still do. Right. And then we all have relationships or friendships or whatever that could fall into that category as well. But the it's it's almost scary, though, to let go of them, because we think then that that's that's uh, well, we're almost more afraid of the unknown, almost like better the devil, you know, do you know what I mean? So it's almost in, in clearing the space even if you think of a forest or something and clearing some space, things will naturally grow up and like grow in its place. And it's just for us almost as humans to be able to have the confidence in ourselves and then the trust and the unfolding of life yes. that something will emerge. Yes, that's And in your case, then yeah. new, more, more suitable or, or more healthy friendships. Yes. It's very beautifully put. I think so. It's um, yes. I, I agree. Yes, yes, very well phrased. <laughs> yeah. Do you think? Um, do you think when you when you think about this and this process that you've been going through, um, and like connecting more with your natural self, connecting more um, or with your own truth, and and all of these kind of things, 
how how do you when I mentioned there like some people sometimes are afraid of stepping into the unknown mm -hmm. what's what's your relationship let's say with the the unknown in life oh man this is a really good question I recently thought about it <laughs> and I made okay. I put a post up I think as well about it because I mean, there are so many aspects and dimensions to it and I would just use a couple of thoughts that I recently then posted about because if I think about unknown and known most of the things are unknown it's it's impossible to know everything and we actually mostly not know things that we know uh, so to me what's the point of like being somehow afraid of the unknown if everything is anyways unknown so if i would be afraid of something that i can't mostly change why should i be afraid of it somehow like this at the same time there is a certain type of concern sometimes and when it's something that you know, I don't know, for example, my health, how long I will live if I'll be healthy, then I can still try to do something by exercising, eating healthy, blah, 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 not stressing myself to maybe prevent this thing of unknown unhealthiness in the future. So I cannot be, if I am active about it and kind of dealing with this unknownness and conscious about it and not pushing it away, I think there's nothing, I, I, I don't know, I don't care about unknown things. And when I think back, I, you know, I I didn't care, care if I just applied to one university. I didn't care about like, oh, maybe I should have a safety net and apply here, here and there. I just wanted to go there. That's it. I don't do anything else. Then I didn't care of, you know, starting even my own company. I was asked, what's your plan B? I don't have a plan B. Yeah, but what if it doesn't work? You know, well, I will make it work. I don't want anything else. So I, I still don't know if it will work or not. But, you know... If I know all the things, so, I can't know. All so there's like a there's like a commitment that still has to be made, irrespective of whether it's known or unknown. Yeah, because it doesn't matter whether it's known or unknown. The thing is, I I have the feeling that often people mm, kind of hide behind things that oh this is known. You know, if I have this friendship now or this relationship, it's gonna last forever. No, it's not. That's what we see in society. It's not gonna happen, and that's what I have experienced. So what's the point? I cannot assume something's going to always be there and always be known because it's not. So I don't so I don't almost see the point of being afraid of unknown things or but being mindful about it. if I don't know something and I need to know something then I try to find out something about that. But but I but I think that is like the I don't know there's so, like there's this kind of consistent kind of uh pendulum in life almost between moving between known and unknown mm -hmm. and what you can control and what you can't control mm -hmm. and it's it's almost like trying to be I think comfortable with both states yes. like at some times in life you'll you'll have quite clear you know just like you're describing there you'll have quite clear plans you'll have quite clear ideas and you will feel like you've got there's maybe even more knowns in your life than unknown mm -hmm. and of course within the wider context yes. that you're saying that ultimately most things are ultimately unknown mm -hmm. whether we perceive them that way or not but it's almost been okay with it's been okay with that when you have a clear plan and something to commit to, and then it's also been okay with the fact that it's within a context of things that are are so unknown. Yes, and and it's kind of like holding both and then yes. doing what you can. Yes, uh, with with what you can do. Yes, and don't hold on to the things that you know, like desperately, you know, because if they are gone, you're getting, you know you're getting you might be devastated that they are suddenly gone, and then be more. Less, less capable of handling then than when they are gone and then you kind of cripple yourself with it so always with a type of I don't like to say it but not with a type of distance but maybe just awareness 
or grace, grace, gratefulness. It's there for that time. And then if not, I find another way somehow. Yeah. And just when you mentioned there starting your own company and um, this combining of your your passion for science and then your your passion for art as well. Did this uh, did this come about in the last couple of years when you were also exploring all this stuff about yourself? Like, what what was the what was the moment in which you actually kind of committed to this and thought, yeah, I will give this a go? That was actually during my PhD when I had a crisis. <laughs> like I had several okay. crises, but one of my bigger ones was the crisis of basically realizing I don't fit in here. My personality doesn't fit. I don't like the system. I disagree with a lot of things. What's the point? Um, and I didn't feel like I, I wanted to change and adapt to the things because they were so against my core. Um, and it's still academia and that journey affected me. Um, but then at the same time, roughly, I realized I found this, this passion of illustrating my science. So I could basically get lost in it. And I thought like, okay, if I don't want to stay here, but this is really something I love and people start asking me for help because they saw it, then maybe I should do this. And and then I could also do it, you know, myself, start my own company. And I have, you know, I have no business background whatsoever. Nobody in my family started their own companies. It's like, it's completely unknown territory as well. Um, I thought like, but it's so much needed and I love it so much. Uh, and I would still be able to support the scientific community. Um so that's basically, it came out of like, okay, I don't want to stay here. What should I do? That's what I want to do. What, uh, what, what was creating friction between you and where you were? The whole academic system working at university, the whole scientific world, all the, you know, unreasonable demands, all the competition, all the, you know, logic and, and thinking and data only and people you know, should not care about anything else than that. I think I told you last time that, you know, plant scientists caring more about the biological organism of a plant than the biological organism of a human being. So seeing all these things being so misaligned and having to do things that I actually don't want to do, comply to rules and systems that I don't agree with, this is something that I generally don't see the point i don't like to be pressed into something i don't like to be restricted by somebody i don't like people to tell me constantly what i should do if i don't think it makes sense (laughs) so it was a lot of things and and while my closest surrounding you know my bosses my colleagues and the group that i had that was looking over my progress of the phd they were great was awesome you know there was some you know um, conflict sometimes here and there but they were always supportive and i always felt that they actually appreciated me as a person who I am so that was really good but seeing the bigger picture and like no no also no really any future perspectives that I felt like that's what I want I don't want to become a professor so what's the point (laughs) yeah and and also I don't want to be exploited and that's what's happening a lot and I don't feel like I want that to happen to me and exploited is that in terms of workload or yeah, workload and everything, demands and just, you know, there's no, it's funny to say, but there is no really any safety in that system. I don't have super much safety being a, having my own company either, but there's, there's, there's also like mentally, emotionally exploited in a way because there are certain things that are 
deemed to not be relevant and important in a scientific surrounding, um, which I think is bullshit and wrong. So I don't want to be part of that. And I try to change things, you know. I try to help people that were having struggles. I was the PhD representative for a while. So I tried to, you know, I don't know, revolutionize the system or do be some, like bring some difference. I, I tried, but, you know, it's just so much that I could do. So I thought like, if I do scientific illustrations, I can help in that way. Right, right. So even to support other people <laughs> in their pursuits of grants or publications. Um, in, in terms then of just this sense of, uh, I don't know, realize like almost finding the right environment for yourself like it's it almost seems like you were you were planted in a in the wrong environment or mm -hmm. but you were you were like you didn't have fear then in terms of stepping out from what you knew and it was like was this a, a as clear as you're making it or was there was there like kind of scary moments along the way in in setting up your own thing Mm, I was mostly afraid of everything around taxes, money, bills, uh, and and these kinds of uh, bureaucracy things because I I was never good at it. So these were the things that I was mostly afraid of, or like they not not afraid, but I I was aware that I'm not good at it. So I kind of should better learn about it or get myself help and support to be able to bridge this somehow, but. Now I know that that's not the biggest problem. I mean, getting clients, that's the thing. But that never before was a fear of mine somehow. And and I, I, I never felt like I'm afraid to do that. I thought like, no, I want to do it. And I try my best. And I, you know, I, I asked for like, I get, had, had a part-time position in my first year because that's also something I wanted. And somehow it meant it happened as well to have some type of safety in the beginning. Um, I got myself an accountant from the beginning. I had job coaches. I was part of a startup incubator. So I did things to make sure that I'm, you know, thriving with the things that I can't do or learning at least. Um, and so I was doing something about the things somehow. Uh, and then yeah. the rest, I thought, like, I'm a scientist, I'm an artist, and combine things that not a lot, lot of people combine. There is a need for it. So, yeah, it's going to work. Let's go. <laughs> so, let's do it. What's just, just uh, uh, when I talked to you the last time, I was always kind of intrigued as uh, this kind of perspective you had of, I am a scientist, but I hate all this idea of just logic and data is everything. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? You know, there is a like not e not even in relation to other people, just even your own perspective yeah, yeah, of how you yeah. perceive the world, even if if that's more comfortable. Yes, I mean there is there's benefits of these things. I actually like to think logically and apply reason and find things out and do research, answer questions. Um, but sometimes it feels there's not enough play for me in this. Uh, I cannot have an ease to it in in science. This this type of creativity that in my experience, it's important in science. It's, it's, it's not so much valued or not so much enhanced. And it's, it's again, it's this heaviness on the mind and on the head and on the thinking, while all the things like intuition and feelings and perceptions, and they basically don't count anything that's, you know, unseen, that's considered, you know, emotional or 
I don't know, energetic if you want. It's kind of bashed in the sciences, in the natural sciences, even though it is very scientific. Um, and it, in a way, it's um, to it's very one-sided. You can't just, you know, have this human being or me and only use this part, this head. And it's it's that's not only me. I have all the other things as well. And um, intuition plays a big role in all kinds of things, also scientific discoveries are working. And and if you don't feel good, you won't produce good scientific work. Just simp as simple as that. If you feel like crap, if you haven't slept or if you are overworked, or, then that will, but that's disregarded. And that's somehow, I don't like this. This holisticness of a human being is not considered. And I think that's almost stupid. And it's like this, mm, you know, worshipping of, the logic only and the data and the numbers only. Um, and then with this also almost forgetting that we're always biased anyways. What we see in data, we interpret through our own lens of the things that we know. So it's to not be aware of this sometimes or forget about these things. It's, it's also very narrow-minded. I don't know if I answered your question. I think I deviated. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You, <laughs> you, you, you answered it beautifully. Uh, so, how how do you then? Is that where the art comes in for you? And even this uh, art painting for the sake of painting. Um, I know, like, how how do you kind of play with that sense of the unknown, the emotions in life, the the unseen? Because uh, I, I agree with you, like it resonates. This is why I wanted to talk to you again from when we talked the last time, like your your experience and how you kind of characterize life resonates a lot with my own my own experience, too. Like I enjoy quantum physics. I enjoy reading about certain studies. Um, but I also just think that there's this huge kind of, I don't know, this huge kind of abyss that needs to be explored as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just looking at the data doesn't help me as a human, yeah. in, like it doesn't help me get more ease with the the unknown, the abyss, whatever, whatever it may be. Yes. Um. How how is that for you then? Like, is that is that where art comes in in terms of just an expression from nowhere, or or how would you kind of explain that? Um. Yes, art and this type of scientific illustrations help a lot with it because, um, how to put it? So. Scientists are usually super passionate. They really love what they do and they are very much into it oftentimes. And then they have to share it with the world and show it to other people. And how do you connect to other people through science? Something that's maybe super complex that somebody else doesn't have, if it's not a scientist, doesn't have really a connection to. Um, and you don't do that by showing them tables and texts to read that with complicated words. But what you can use is an illustration, a simple drawing. And drawings and paintings and illustrations, they convey emotions just like at the second people look at. If there's something with the favorite color of the person, they immediately like it and they want to learn it. And through this, they will connect to you as a scientist. So you have this, it's like, you know, like a bridge basically. Like this, you will attract potential collaboration partners. You will make people understand what you're actually doing so you get the funding. So you will make people feel good at when they look at this illustration and understand what you do. You help them and it, it, it has only benefits. And in that way, you connect on this not only scientific level, but on this emotional level that people want to be connected to other people as 
person to person. It's not just, you know, the business and the data and the numbers. No, we want to, you know, work together with somebody that we like, that we enjoy with. And and then you look at this nice illustration that represents 10 years of um, searching for the answer for this question. And that that's basically like your business card. You represent yourself with an illustration as a scientist on all kinds of levels, scientific, logic, mind, but also on a personal level, on an emotional level, on I care that you actually understand what I do. I care to take the time to explain it to you properly, whether that person does it or I do it or some other scientific illustrator does it. So it's a really good tool to connect this. And it is it is luckily seen that it's more and more that it's important to do. Um, and just simply colors, color red, you know, is uh, seen as a morning color in South Africa, I recently read, but a happy color in Japan or the color of love. So you can convey certain types of messages with colors already. A lot of scientists, black and white and gray, boring, you know, bar graphs. But if you throw in a bit of a color, it already makes a huge difference. And that's what we want. We want to connect and not like, you know, de uh, how do you say split when we share knowledge or what we do, our science, our work. So it's a, it's a perfect thing to combine art to science, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you've mentioned things along the way in life, like, you know, even setting your own boundaries and relationships, uh, things that can happen in that, uh, finding yourself in a, even maybe in a, in during your PhD in situations that you didn't want to, but kind of dealing with that as well, setting up your own company. When you think of uh, experiencing a good life, like what are the kind of challenges that you think you face um, even these days, not just what you've kind of faced before? There's all kinds of things. I, I don't, there's <laughs> like constantly <laughs> there's challenges. <laughs> so I tried to think what's the most recent one. Um, in the end, it comes back to me only, you know, how I approach the things. If I see that's a problem, okay, why is that a problem, Dara? What can you do? So I should I try to not find it in the external world or in that person or this issue. But, okay, so why does this depict a challenge for me? What kind of limiting beliefs do I have? Do I maybe have an issue with this? Or maybe that didn't feel right? So it kind of... It is sometimes a constant challenge to put this back to me. Okay, like what is it within right. me? Not without, not for the sake of uh, blaming me or not blaming somebody else or blaming somebody else. That's not this. Just to try to find the root or the cause of why I perceive this as a challenge. It's sometimes tricky because it's not always an easy answer. And uh, oh, now I think about it. Oh, now I know. Okay, continue. Challenge gone. No. <laughs> so this is, yeah, and sometimes yeah. it's too many challenges at once because I'm working on, let's say, my money mindset. And then this thing to opening up my heart a little bit more and to how do I uh, bring this out to the world? Um, these, these types of things. Then so many challenges at once. And I don't go about it surprise spouse logically uh, it's just <laughs> random basically and yeah, yeah to not want to put logic and boundaries and structures behind these things is sometimes also difficult or sometimes i want to challenge so many things at once and i do so many things and i'm like oh, Daria, what's happening with you just breathe like just take a step back from all of these things you don't constantly have to yeah. face challenges maybe I, I i think that's uh <laughs> i think that's really nice though isn't it because sometimes when we get into whether it's like a, a self-development mindset or something like that we almost think that we have to 
open our heart, drop our judgments, do all these things and do them by the end of the week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, but like, hope, ho- hopefully you and I will be around for, for another few decades anyway. And yeah, yeah. we can unravel some of this as we yes, move through. Like. For sure. And um, Daria, just as I, I kind of have the habit of asking people towards the end of, of this conversation, uh, what is a good life for them? I, kn- I know you've kind of discussed so many things that I think would contribute to it, like trying to find balance in yourself, calm mm-hmm. and peace, the influence of nature in your life, uh, the importance of expressing your heart, uh, setting boundaries mm-hmm. with people, having the courage to embrace the unknown, accept it, do what you can about it, and um, to almost like to to fuse your idea, your love for logic, and also your love for just uh, creativity and all of these different things. But if I were to ask you uh, one last time, uh, what is is a good life for you, Daria? Yeah, you just gave the answer. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what is a good life for me? So one of the things I I can't really prioritize, I'm not really good on prioritizing and putting one thing only. But if I would, like all the things you said, but if I would put it together, a good life for me would be first if I wouldn't regret things when I die. That's that would be a great sign that I had a good life. But also, kind of, because there is so many unknowns and so many changes at every point along my life journey, to somehow be able to make it and live in the way that I mm, truly. Um, kind of identify with that feels really good for me at any point somehow this I it, no matter what comes whether I have 10 friends 50 friends or zero friends that I would still find a way to be feeling like I, I still have a good life I still feel confident because of all the other things so that's maybe then a fluctu- having a fluctuating good life depending on the circumstances <laughs> Maybe because it could be a good life now, could be this what I have, but in 10 years, it could be something completely different. And I want to be fine with this, with the moving and changing off of it. It's a very abstract question, so I can't really properly not. Yeah, I can't. I don't know if I find the right words for it. Yeah, no, but I, I think it's uh, even what you're saying there, just to to be OK with the fluctuating, like li- a good life isn't always just going to be one fixed thing for you. No that there'll be change and to be okay with the changes. And it, and it kind of goes back to something you said earlier in terms of not being kind of so resistant to certain parts of a situation and, and holding on too much to the stuff that you really like as well, because yeah. that causes friction. And, you know, in so much of the conversation, uh, there's almost like this, like this acknowledgement of the natural state in life you know you mentioned it with the ice baths you mentioned mentioned it with meditation even mentioned it with the art stuff and uh, even then when you're kind of having this not resistance to uh just pure logic you know obviously you engage with logic Mm -hmm. having been (laughs) having a a phd in in uh in science and sciences like um but that it's also this acceptance that life is this growing pulsing yeah. moving thing and to and to be good with that as well yes 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 basically the nature of the life within me that's at my core that should also be like, like all the other things the same well daria that was uh that was a really enjoyable conversation for me yeah, um, me too. i'm uh i'm very very grateful that you joined me here today on the what is a good life podcast <laughs> and uh hopefully to speak with you again soon yes i i'm sure it was really nice as well uh, i liked it a lot and thanks again for inviting me <laughs>